why can we not have it scheduled? Why can I not know that every Thursday at 1.17 p.m., all right, the team is meeting in the lunchroom and we're going out to rearrange the lot? You know, it mm-hmm. just seems like if yeah. – we're talking about, Yeah, we'll talk about being one of those motivators, mm-hmm. right? A, a structure – to me, you know, it's, it's time, time, time is a big motivator, but I also find with this next generation of salespeople that are coming in, is that they're looking for structure. Good morning and welcome to a fresh episode of the Coffee with Jason podcast. On today's episode, Jason is jamming with Bill Playford. They'll be chatting about dealer culture, entertaining with your content, and the marathon that is content marketing. Grab that hot closers coffee and settle in with your host, Jason Harris. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. For freshly brewed discussion on automotive sales and marketing, this is Coffee with Jason. The Coffee with Jason podcast is sponsored by Closer's Coffee. For that full-bodied, rich, sweet flavor with a bright acidity. Drink Closer's Coffee, stay caffeinated, and keep on closing. Find out more at closerscoffee.ca. Hey, what's going on, Podcast Nations? Jason Harris here with Digital Dealership Solutions. Hey, thanks for joining me on another episode of Coffee with Jason. Today I have my guest, Mr. Bill Playford. Bill, thank you so much for taking the time to come jam with me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hey, Bill, for everybody out there, and there's probably like the three people out there that don't know who you are, <laughs> um, how about you give me that just that quick little intro story of kind of how you got into the business and to where you are today, and then we'll just go ahead and start jamming. Well, I like to say that I'm too busy seeking the truth to actually seek attention. So I'm, I'm guessing it's more than three people, but I got started in automotive uh, the same way everybody else did. And that's because I always dreamed to be in the car business, said no one ever. Um, I actually got into the car business um, actually after the dot-com bubble burst. I actually worked in venture capital, funding a lot of the companies that were embarrassing and needed to go away. <laughs> but uh, um, it was kind of an odd time. But it, when I was in grad school, actually, I had talked to my friends and, and we had never uh, knew anybody had a great buying experience buying a car. And so uh, I'm a fourth generation auto worker. I grew up in a GM household. Parents always got good deals, got destroyed on their <laughs> trades, never had a good experience, never could pick the colors they want. Um, and so after, uh, you know, finance kind of melted down there in 2001, I ended up getting in the car business. And so I was very fortunate to work with a very uh, probably an originator of the mm-hmm. e-commerce business uh, in here in Michigan and did that for about four years. I was very lucky that he gave me a lot of latitude, including a salary. Um, and I got to do some really neat things there. Actually, we did free home delivery back in the late 90s, early 2000s when they started doing that stuff. Wow, that's cool. But he also gave me the latitude to kind of build my own kind of entrepreneurial things. So we, uh, we built an association, um, an affinity buying program, prob- probably about the same time Zag came about, but we had our own tool. Um, I built my first um, lead scoring tool actually while I was there. And then uh, after some sort of personnel issues and stuff like that, I got recruited to work for a, a business incubator in Austin, Texas. So I commuted back and forth, um, helped launch the pilot for AutoNation Direct. Uh, then we repackaged that for the international market. Then uh, I went on to revisit lead scoring, except using their, their PhD Brainiacs. And uh, once that got spun off into uh, an OEM facing tool, as opposed to a dealer facing tool, I decided to, um, go work with Joe Webb and the consulting side of things. What really prompted that was that we had this really amazing technology, yeah. uh, you know, really an awesome tool, but people weren't using it, you know, and I just didn't feel like it was my place to say, Hey, you know, I did this for years <laughs> all over the country. I've sold cars in 19 different States. And like, this is how you should do it. I just never felt like that was my part. But I also knew that 
um, you know, we were getting, you know, five, six, 7% higher closing ratios in those dealerships who were actually using the tool versus those who are not. They were just satisfied for about double, but we were almost getting triple the closing ratios. This is using ex-urban third-party leads, your auto mm-hmm. tells not in the awesome zip codes. They kind of <laughs> put some big barriers on us to make this thing work. And so um, very proud of that stuff. But it, at the same time, I understand so much more about the the business now in terms of how dealers work and how different markets work and kind of understanding that, Hey, the, the buck stops at the person selling the car. And you know, it's cool. Franchise laws. That's very true. You know, and it's so cool, you know, to get this opportunity to jam with you because you know, your, your understanding of technology, your, your understanding of the dealer operations, um, you know, I'll be honest with you, it's kind of rare. You know, there, there are a lot of technology companies out there that uh, have put out some pretty impressive products, um, but there are a lot of them out there that never even sold a car in their lives. Mm-hmm. And yet they're trying to kind of fill, you know, these shoes and help these people with their livelihoods. And they just don't ever really kind of seem to be in, in the thick of it. We're, and you're the total opposite. You've been there. You, yeah. You've done it. <laughs> Well, it's, so it's cool. I mean, it's, it's similar to kind of how I am. I, I approach marketing from an operations perspective, you know, mm-hmm. understand what that salesperson has to go through and what that sales manager has to go through. And, and, and you do the same on the technology side. You know, you're able to kind of look at it and understand who that end user is going to be and how is this going to possibly affect them. So you've been with Joe. How is it with Joe? Come on, tell me the truth. He's not right. in the room. We're celebrated uh, nine years in June. And uh, we we had a nice glass of champagne. No, we didn't. <laughs> yeah, did you go? Did you go to a little anniversary, a little manversary? <laughs> no, but, uh, it it's come up on a decade. I've known. I, I got to know Joe while he was still in retail. And the funny thing is, is all I see these people different places and like, I met you in retail. Um, and so we actually were were friends actually before, long before we started working together, and probably a good solid three years or so. And then um, the time came, and his business was growing, and I was looking to make a change. It just sort of worked out great, and I haven't looked back. It's so funny when I think of the two of you guys' personalities and just, and also just the two of you standing side by side too, right? I mean, Joe's not, Joe casts a shadow, both figuratively yeah. and literally, right? You know, that's for most people, <laughs> not just me or, or you or anybody else, but yeah, it's pretty much people. everybody. It's pretty much everybody, you know? Yeah. So, so I'm just curious, you know, and we're going to, we're going to get into our conversation, but I'm just kind of curious, how is the dynamic of, you know, kind of, you know, working with Joe and it, you have this very tech savvy mind is very boom, 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 you know, and then there's, and Joe's just got this great thirst for, you know, helping others and just bring some serious passion to our industry. No, it's, it's really strange because we do think a lot alike. Yeah. And in a lot of times we'll catch ourselves saying pretty much the exact same thing. Um, but we, we definitely approach it, approach things a little bit differently. I think he's, he's definitely got the passion. Uh, he has the love for, working with people, work at the dealerships, getting his hand dirt, hands dirty, um, where I'm a little more analytical. I, I scratch my head sometimes <laughs> and maybe punch the wall a little bit. Uh, I get frustrated because there's a lot of things that don't make sense. Um, but we, we definitely fuel each other, you know, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I try to uh, have his personality, but I can't, you know, so I got to be myself. It's okay. Nobody, nobody really hard. <laughs> but, but we definitely make it work. And like I said, we, we certainly help each other out in terms of things we don't have and, and the resources we lack. So it's, it's a, it's a very good partnership. And I think a lot of people have, have benefited. You know, we've worked all over North America, hundreds of cities, thousands of BD agents now. Um, and, and you've, you've been in this business longer than I have, you know, how, how hard it is, I think, to, to be a consultant and be a trainer. And, um, you know, and we've done that. We've had to diversify at the same time, though. So, I mean, our, our software that we developed actually is about half our revenue now. Uh, oh, wow. So we, we definitely do 
a lot with that. But to your point, though, it's sort of informed by the, the, the work we're doing with people every single day. Mm-hmm. It helps us make our technology better. And, you know, you know, we're in the accountability business either way, you know, so we, we can't clone ourselves. I've tried. Nope. It failed miserably. <laughs> really hot. Oh, so you're the tech guy. You can it, figure but, this uh, part out, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but we, um, you know, we had to actually develop our own software just to keep the CRMs accountable because yes. there's so much variation and stuff there. So um, we're really big on that, but that, that helps us understand that trajectory the dealership is going to be on. And it, it helps us sort of keep ourselves in check. You know, if something's not right, the percentages are off, you know, like, what are we doing wrong? So it, it definitely works both ways. And I just, and I love the fact that you guys are just so much in the thick of it. I mean, mm-hmm. every, you know, every movie you guys make is not necessarily a, a feeling or a, or a, I think it's, it is really, really kind of data driven. So, you know, you guys are seeing some fundamental changes that are going mm-hmm. on right now. And you can definitely see where some of those changes are heading over the next five years. Um, I'm just curious, you know, what are you seeing out there right now? Well, I think you always have your unicorns. You know, I think we, we've always hear about the dealership closing at 20% or you know, <laughs> yep. whatever. I mean, it's, it's some kind of quadratic equation they use to get to those numbers. But um, I always feel like there's like sort of that first tier tip of the spear type uh, group of dealerships. Then there's sort of the, the mid-level stores that, um, you know, we tend to work with kind of the mm-hmm. smaller regional groups and things of that nature where human resources are an issue. Um, you know, budget to, um, you know, get a lot of these neat things because there's always a, a balance in terms of what they're able to do, how much money you can spend on advertising. So, um, you know, there's kind of this, this bandwidth in the middle of, of dealerships who, you know, want to make a difference. They want to move the yeah. needle, but you know, they're, they're not quite there with the big guys. They're not getting the kickbacks from the OEMs or I'm sorry, they're not meeting their objectives with the OEMs consistently. Um, the co-op stuff isn't exactly, agree with them very much and so <laughs> we can do um, a whole podcast just on that uh, we could totally do I, at least at least a podcast if not i got two. some four letter words to use <laughs> for that four letter acronym um <laughs> do. Uh, so uh but but that's that thing that's the struggle that we're in right now i mm-hmm. think it's um i think we have some unreal unreasonable expectations if i can say it without stuttering yes unreasonable <laughs> expectations in terms of targets um i think we have the the co-op thing has really handcuffed a lot of stores mm-hmm. Um, I was just actually, uh, had met with some guys in Detroit last night in the business and we were kind of talking about what happened with Cadillac and the pinnacle. I'm not sure if that happened, uh, up in, um, up in Ontario or throughout Canada, but in the U S they were required to have yeah. websites and, and all this other stuff. And, and now since Denition left GM, it, it's like, poof, it goes away. You know, it's just one person's whim <laughs> and all these dealerships had to commit thousands and thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars to as i say some of them probably were definitely that high for sure yeah i mean and 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 that's just it's just sunk cost so um with that that always kind of being a battle right and it is it's 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 a bit of a battle you know it's um i would say some manufacturers are better than others yeah you know for sure um but there is always consistently being a battle of the manufacturers needing to move metal and the dealerships actually needing to make money Mm-hmm. And, you know, there always kind of seems to be a line and a, and a balance there. And, you know, I, I agree. I definitely agree with you. I think I, I kind of see, you know, on, you know, you know, visiting hundreds and hundreds of dealerships across the nation, mm-hmm. you know, is that I, I would break it down to three buckets as well. Right. I mean, I think there are, there, there are people that are literally drowning 
You know, they, they just, you know, their people and their processes and their measurable efforts can't seem to connect at all, right. you know. Um, and then I think there's probably the very large chunk of dealerships that are kind of treading water. And I would say there's probably different levels there. But at least I would say at that level that, you know, people are understanding that it's, you know, people plus, plus process. So I, right. I at least need to invest in my people. I need to at least invest into my process so they're able to kind of tread along. And then I agree with you. There are some unicorns out there and, you know, that will really kind of understand the people plus the process and the measurable efforts and how we can kind of all tie it together and glue it together with this crazy thing called culture. And they do, they almost seem to be completely um, uh, resistant to any, you know, environmental industry changes because Mm. they just seem to create these, these bubbles. I mean, honestly, I probably know about maybe that many unicorns. I don't know Mm. if you probably know many more than that, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, Canada is a little bit different though, because you have the bigger groups, you know, and I think in a lot of ways, you guys are a little bit further ahead in that respect because, you know, let's face it, the margins just aren't there. I mean, you look at the NADA data, mm-hmm. you're, you know, on a good year, 2.6%, bad year, 2.3%. I mean, it's two, <laughs> two plus percent, you know, where the software business, I mean, hell, we were lopping off businesses at 85% margin. That's just, you know, we're, we're cutting the stone till it bleeds, you know, and it, you know, it's a lot different in that respect. Um, but you know, it doesn't take a lot for those smaller dealerships to fall apart. When you have a hundred stores in your portfolio, that 2% or 3%, it's a lot of money at that point, you know? So you have the resources to, you know, not only invest in your people, but invest in that training or invest in the technology, but you also have, you know, time to actually recruit the right people. You know, when you talk about culture, it's true. I don't think there's a lot of people who really understand what that means. They, they might get the, the diet Coke version from the, yeah, the or- forums and stuff in our, Disney World version of it. Yep. The yeah. Disney. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think in terms of that, like, you know, when you ask a dealership, you know, what's your culture like? And they're like, oh yeah, we're family owned and operated. And they kind of go in that same kind of branding same direction you know, low, but they're brand or whatever. And it's like, well, that's like all dealerships, right? Like your hand, your hand exactly. is 90.6 degrees. Like everyone else is pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what makes you different? And I think that's where that, that differentiation happens, especially with the publicly mm-hmm. traded groups that have, access to that, that level of talent and they can bring in, you know, very educated people and have actual managers with leadership capabilities, not just like the best salesperson there. No, it is. It's very true. So I, I am beginning to see kind of some, some fundamental shift, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I think for all intents and purposes for this podcast, mm-hmm. um, that, that bottom chunk of people that are drowning, I'm actually, mm-hmm. we're not going to talk to them today. Okay. Um, because honestly, uh, for us to spend the time just for them to convince <laughs> them that they need to embrace their people in the process, we'll just let them figure that out themselves. And, and maybe rightfully so, they should be drowning. Um, <laughs> you know, and let, let someone else kind of pick it up, right? But I, I think for the bigger chunk of all the dealerships out there that um, do have some fundamental understanding that it is people and process that continue to push them along and make things easier, you know, you know, what do you see happening, you know, over the next few years? You know, I'm just thinking advice wise that we can give to those dealerships to say, Hey, look, we understand you're treading water here, but if you start kind of moving some of your efforts, cause at the end of the day, we only have so many efforts to go around in mm-hmm. these particular directions, you'll get to a point where you're not only just treading water, but you're cruising along at some of those unicorns we talked about. Yeah. What advice um, would you give them? That, that's a, that's a great bit of advice and that could go a lot of different directions. You know, first thing, tighten your belt. Uh, cause I, good point. <laughs> you know, it, we could be heading up on a, on a big dip here, but I think that's sort of the, the news du jour 
Um, but one of the things that I, I feel like, and, you know, especially working with so many people over the years now and just seeing the turnover that's out there, I really think the best people are probably working at your dealership right now. If you're, mm-hmm. I mean, like, and it's not, a, it's not an indictment against a, a generation or anything. It's just a matter of, I think the, the, the hunger for commission and those sort of um, scraps that get thrown, you know, various things and things of that nature. Like, I don't think that younger people really react to those spiffs the way they used to when I went, you know, you and I were coming up in the business. Yep. Um, so somebody's like, you know, Hey, it's an extra 20 and it's you know, 20 bucks, you know, like it's, <laughs> you know, because again, we, you know, back when we came up, our, our cell phone bill wasn't $200 a month. You know, I mean, we, sure. you know, there's a lot of things have changed significantly in over that period of time behaviorally and, and just understanding wise. And, and, you know, one of the things I was talking about last night is that, and I brought this up in a 20 group. I'm like, there are no more baby boomers being born. You know, it's like this notion of like, we just need people need to work harder and they need, they need to be like Jane over there. She's been here for 35 years and, you know, she eats nails and glass for breakfast. And, you know, that, that group of, of the population is, is aging out, Yes. you know? And so part of it will have to be is accommodating what you have left, you know, and really understanding like what other motivations are out there, what other motivators are available to, for those types of people. Cause Having a you know 100% turnover in your BDC, it's costing all kinds of money in hiring, firing yes. costs. Um, I want to say I, I just I did the math on it last year. I want to say it's like about a 19 billion dollar problem across the industry when you factor in lost revenue wow. from those sales. It, wow. I mean, and of course that amortize that over uh, you know all the different dealerships. That's still you know millions of dollars that are lost. And um, you know I've asked dealerships I'm like, what are your hiring and firing costs for a year? And like, oh my god, you don't want to know. I mean, that's normally what it is. Well, it's like, I'm surprised some of them even know in the first place. To be honest yeah. with you, um, I think a lot of dealerships I sat down and talked to wouldn't even have a number they could come up with as far as understanding what the hiring and firing is. Mm-hmm. Um, you made a good point though. Is understanding uh, what motivates what what motivates you know this mm-hmm. next generation or the generation of people that are currently working at the dealership right now? Because to your point, I agree. It's not the spiffs. And boy, I used to love my spiffs. I mean, I had those things nailed down. I knew what I had to do on a Saturday to get that extra beer money. I knew what I had to do, you know, when it came month end, it was like, I mean, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, even as a salesperson, I'd sandbag a little bit, you know, I knew the spiffs got bigger towards the the end of the month. Like, okay, I can sell them now, but if I sell them four days from now, I know they're going to launch. So yeah, no, things have changed a lot. So what would you say um, some of those motivators should be uh, uh, for dealerships to really kind of get that next generation, you know, embracing this industry? Well, the number one thing I hear, I think it's, it's some permutation of time, you know, whether it's more time off or breaks or shorter hours. Um, you know, and in fact, it's sort of, you know, one of the things I learned a long time ago is, you know, just because you're sitting in front of your computer, doesn't mean you're productive. You know, I, I've, I've been to, you know, my dealership, of course, the years I spent there and the, the dozens of people I saw come and go certainly weren't busting their ass every, every minute of their day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, lots of smoke breaks. I can tell you that I was going on yeah. back then. <laughs> yeah. and, um, but, but even today, like, um, I look at the CRM data and I can see the activity levels that take place. And, you know, if you're just going LM, 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 LM between nine and nine, 12 in the morning on all your, your future calls, what are you doing the rest of the day? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, I would have to double check the next update. I w- you know, Brent would be a better person. At. I don't want to say it's something like, like five hours of wasted time a day or something like that. For oh, the, I, I can guarantee you easily. <laughs> some extraordinary amount of time. So, you know, I think we have to accept the fact that, um, you know, we're not gonna be productive all that time. 
you know, mm-hmm. so I think encouraging people to, you know, once they do their critical tasks, you know, to, you know, take a lunch break, you know, or, or go home for a bit, you know, and, uh, you know, just chill out a little bit. Cause I think that's, it's a cumulative effect that I see happen over and over again when people are stressed out and they're just a little more stressed out and they're a little more stressed out. And then all of a sudden they, they blow up, you know, and, sure. and it, you've seen it, I've seen it. I know a lot of your viewers have seen it happen before. And I, I, I'm literally months away from being able to calculate that in a predictive way of like well, how much time that, that you need to do all your stuff because it's that important to me. Cause I've seen yep. a, a lot of good talent leave, you know, because of that, that I don't have enough time for their kids. They're missing too many things. Their spouses uh, getting frustrated because they're never home. And I don't know about you, but like, there's a lot of nights where I didn't roll until seven thirty, eight o'clock, you know, because oh, after yeah, six there, o'clock, there was, calling was people many, back, many, like yeah. that was money time. Right. Like, but I just o'clock in the afternoon, I'm out. I'm, I'm going to take a break, get lunch, do something. Cause there's, I've already got everything I need done. My deliveries are already scheduled. Everything's clean. All my stuff's done. My stuff's in finance. Like I want to do something else. And that, I, I think that's, I, what and there, should, the, there should be something else for the dealerships yeah. to do. I mean, that's, that's what I kind of see as, as being one of those yeah. core issues. Right. Mm-hmm. I just had a dealership recently change their schedule and I'm going to, I'm going to track this and watch and see how it goes. But I actually kind of dig this. It is four full bell to bell shifts and mm-hmm. three days off. Wow. Four days on, three days off, four days on, three days off. Um, now they've implemented it in their third month so far, mm-hmm. and they seem to be very happy with the performance. Uh, just so you guys know, they're still selling cars um, yeah. and they're still getting them delivered. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there had to be uh, some significant process changes you know, to mm-hmm. accommodate some of that. But uh, as far as overall staff, they're getting happier. But yeah. you know, then it kind of came down to as they started this, um, definitely I would say... Uh, uh, people's happiness was obviously there. They knew that they could really work their asses off and then mm-hmm. take a three-day break, a legitimate yeah. three-day break, you know? Um, but the, the question was, is that, you know, again, to your point, they're working on a bell-to-bell shift. In this case, it's nine to nine. So yeah, they're working a full 12-hour shift, yeah. all right? Um, nine, nine to nine, it, there's a lot of downtime there. So, you know, what has this dealership has to gone through is really start to identify what are these people's job descriptions? Mm-hmm. And does the job description really fulfill, you know, the amount of time that are being spent, you know, at the dealership? So now yeah. they're embarking that they're three months into this program. And now they're now they're taking a look at the job description and seeing, you know, how much more we can do. So what would you recommend with that downtime that we should be getting our team to really you know, spend some time and effort on. Yeah, I, I think there's, you know, a few different answers there. Um, I look at the tech sector, you know, with like 80, 20 times, sort of what they call it. But, you know, you, you look at that 20% of your day doing other things that, that you're mm-hmm. passionate about. And I mean, man, think of all the people we know over the years, the dealership who cool, came up with cool things or got into marketing or got yeah. into YouTube and started shooting videos. But like, you know, giving people the time to do that and the resources and the latitude and the freedom to do that where it's not like, okay, Hey, I know you're supposed to be shooting YouTube videos right now, but we're, we're moving cars. So I need you to come over here, take the keys, get, you know, over there, those Camrys. Yep. Need to line the, you know, yeah. how many times does that happen? You know? So, you know, institutionalizing that 80, 20 time and, you know, Google is a bad example because they're a huge company, but I'll use them anyway, because like <laughs> a, lot of the, a lot of the initiatives that they did, and especially in Google X stuff, like that's 80, 20 time. And I think just encouraging people to, to do that or even learn new skills take a module online, you know, learn, yes. um, you know, even sit through and watch like a video like this, you know, like 
this should technically be work because you're learning. Yeah, they, they should totally be watching this podcast. In fact, we should email this out. <laughs> this, this is work. Everybody it's out compulsory. there is watching. It's, you should totally be telling all your staff and managers to be watching this while they're at work. No. Um, but, but <laughs> what I'm finding, though, is the, the key to doing that is being intentful with our time. Yeah. You know, um, to your point, because I've heard this before many times, right? It's like you know, all of a sudden the manager jumps up out of their desk. Nothing's really going on. You know, let's go rearrange the entire lot. Yeah. But I was always kind of surprised. Like, why does it have to, like, why can we not have it scheduled? Why can I not know that every Thursday at 1.17 p.m., all right, the team is meeting in the lunchroom and we're going out to rearrange the lot? You know, it just seems like if yeah. – about Yeah, we'll talk about being one of those motivators, mm-hmm. right? A, a structure to me, you know, it's, it's time. time. Time is a big motivator. But I also find with this next generation of salespeople that are coming in is that they're looking for structure. Yeah. Like they actually want to know when they come in that here are the – boom, 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 things they need to accomplish today. Mm-hmm. And when dealerships don't seem to give them that structure, uh, their minds and things just kind of go this way and that way. And, you know, they're the ones that seem to be looking for somewhere else to work in the next six to nine well, months. Well, it, it gets disheartening is all get mm-hmm. out. I mean, it really does. Like I remember back in the day and, you know, I live in Michigan, you know, you live in Ontario, same, you know, we get the same weather and like there'd be days you'd, you'd you're 15 minutes late for work because there's, you know, several, you know, feet of snow or, <laughs> a meter of snow on the ground or whatever and like get there and it's like, okay, we're shoveling a lot, you know, get your hat on, you know? And it's like, I got 12 leads. I got to respond back to Well, they'll still be there. You know, like everybody, all hands on deck, you know, and that, <laughs> that happened to me countless times. Yeah. You know? And so for those instances, like you're, you're kind of, you're kind of SOL because you, you have to go out there and help because then you're like special prima donna or whatever. And, and so for a lot of dealerships, they, uh, there's that cultural issue. And I, mm-hmm. I, it's almost like a boot camp, you know, slash, you know, fraternity hazing type environment though. With, I mean, we're going back to culture, but that's also part of it is that that structure falls apart. I can't, I, dude, it, I, there's no way I could count the amount, amount of times where these commitments have been made just to fall apart, to do things like you're talking about. We're a weekend. Yeah, it, it, it's just being reactive. Yeah. And it just, yeah. it reactivates. Things are slow. Yeah screw the process. We're going to redo it. Make six <laughs> phone calls every day for the next three days, you know, otherwise you're fired, you know, and, and, and it happens all the time. And, and we've been to some really good dealerships over the years where, you know, these things have popped up all of a sudden they get a new general sales manager or something like that. Wheels completely come off the cart. Yes. Sometimes it goes back. Sometimes it goes the other direction. And um, it, it's a, it's a really tough thing that, people have to go through, especially if they're new to the business or they're only snowflake millennials or people want to say, but to your point though, I mean, there's a lot of um, structure that's lacking and there's mm-hmm. not a lot of job descriptions and there's not a lot of paths to uh, leadership. So there's a whole bunch of different things that are just, um, that are just sort of nebulous that people don't know how to navigate. Well, and, and you know what, um, paths of leadership, I think was another one, right? So, you know what, so far, you know, we, we've talked about time, and, you know, time management, you know, they, they need it. They, they want it, right? They want to know what they're doing with their time, right? And what can they do with their time, you know, that's still going to be productive and okay for the company. Um, uh, but I, th- I think the next one, you know, to your point is actually a, a path, right? Like no, no, no one comes in and, and says, I'm just going to be a salesperson. You know, they, they have a specific goal and objective in mind. They, they, they want to do something, right? So it's like, I, I just don't see a lot of dealerships that will sit down with their staff and really try to understand what their personal 
development goals are. You know, it's like, okay, you want to be an F&I manager. Cool. You know, the guy's second week on the job and he wants to be an F&I manager. I know that sounds a little crazy, but we should at least be able to have the conversation, map out what it's going to take for this guy to become or gal to become a, a, an F&I manager. So then there is an actual path for someone to take. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yeah. First off, okay, amen. Okay, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and but I think it comes back to that that sort of this is the way it's always been. I mean, I gotta tell you that that having you know one of the kids take over the business is alive and well. That's a good thing and a bad thing. But there's you know for some people that that pathway to success maybe is blocked by Junior, who's mm-hmm. you know, going to Northwood or whatever and finishing up his you know his studies there to to be the next dealer and. That again, that's one of those things. It's it's almost a stereotype to a degree. It's happened so often, um, but I think on the other side of that coin is the fact that a lot of these people just don't understand that stuff. They don't they don't sit down and think about okay, hey, X number of hours in the BDC. When you're proficient on the phones, you're proficient with emails. It doesn't look like the cat ran across the keyboard and you're sending something out. Then you're a salesperson for two years, and if you reach a consistent 15 cars a month and your CSI score doesn't dip below 95, then you can be a, an apprentice, you know, whatever for F and I like yeah, into a training, into a training program, you know? Yeah. 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 You know? And, and um, So I think what it is, is again, it's just us being reactive, you know, it's just, we don't seem to want to take the time to, you know, identify what those job descriptions are going to be to right. by, you know, schedule something out. Look, I, I know the only way I'm going to lose these 20 pounds. All right, fine, 30. Um, is, is that I, I set myself a routine and a schedule so that I actually make sure I, I go do these things. And, you know, um, and using that same analogy, um, I know what activities I need to do to get to the point where I can lose those 20 or 30 pounds. Um, but we don't ever seem to do that with our team. But here's the difference I see in that group of dealerships that are treading water and the ones that are on top. Mm-hmm. And seem to be just not affected, you know, mm-hmm. by market changes or environmental changes. They just don't seem to be affected by it because they seem to really embrace and understand that personal development and how important it is for each person. What What would you say? Uh, what advice would you give to a dealership that maybe sitting here shaking their heads up and downs as we're talking? Oh yeah, yeah that sounds good. What would you say some of the first steps would be? Uh, pick one thing. That's that's the big good that's point. the big issue that that I see. Um, is that too much tries to get it done at the same time. I mean, it, it listens, sample set of one. I mean, I'm a trainer, so I'm working with dealerships who first recognize they have a problem, right? Um, it's one of the things, you know, uh, you know, I, I brought Brent before, but when he talked about like the 12 step program and how it applies to things and it, it really resonated with me just mm-hmm. because a lot of people don't want to admit they have a problem like this, you know, it, the point. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not equating this to alcoholism, but I, I kind of am at the same time. But you have to admit that it's an issue. Like, okay, hey, I, I tur- my turnover is 75% on the showroom floor. It never was that high. My GMs are turning over at 65, 70%, and that was like a 15% thing, you know, years ago. Um, you know, we have to first admit there's a problem, and then yep. the second part, and you have to do both these things. You you have to want to do something to fix it. And I think for a lot of dealerships, they're um, unfortunately content going like, yeah, I know we suck. Our CSI sucks. We're not getting our RMR this month because we suck. But you know what? We're going to suck forever because we're in the rust belt and blah, 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 blah. And they go read a Grant Cardone book and hope that's going to put a Band-Aid on things. Um, and, and, and that's the, the sort of the, the pathway to like not getting anything done because 
they get introspective, they read these things, they go maybe watch a podcast or two or they read a blog or two. And like, I need to do all these things. We yeah. need to completely reshuffle the deck on our marketing. We need to fire our agencies. We need a new CRM. We need, and they do it all at one time. And so um, as a person who literally is charged with analyzing these things and how they uh, are growing or shrinking, like I go, man, like if you just picked one thing, if you go, let's just work on customer serve experience, maybe like, that's mm-hmm. it. Maybe our CSI is low. Maybe, um, you know, we want to do that. Maybe we just focus on that one thing and make sure we get that to the point where we feel pretty proud of what that is and then maybe do something else. And I think it's, it's always goes back to that, eat the elephant one bite at a time. You got to figure out what piece to eat, but just pick one piece and work on it. Figure out something that, that you can accomplish with the resources you have that doesn't require you to go out and get a new piece of technology, yep. hire a bunch of new people or these things. Look at what resources you have available and go, hey, what can we change? And build on that momentum. No, I agree. And I think I see a lot of people almost want to go out there and just leap, just blow it up. Let's just, yeah. let's light a match. You're time. You're let's, just, time. let's just, in, in fact, actually I had a dealership the other day. They told me that's what they were going to do. Like they literally turned everything off, like spending freeze across the board. I'm not going to do any marketing. Yeah. I'm not going, I'm, I'm getting rid of my CRM system. I'm getting rid of this. I'm going to get rid of of everything and I'm just going to magically try to rebuild this. But, you know, to your point, I think we have amazing resources, but we don't ever seem to want to really kind of dedicate the time necessary. And it's time comes back to time again. Right. Um, The things we're talking about here is not necessarily going to cost you some dollars um, as much as it's going to really require you to be intentful with your time. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And it's, it comes down to, you're right. It's comes down to those kind of those two magical places, you know, it's people or process. Which which one, right? Yeah. And you know, uh, here's what I recommend to dealerships to do is to really set up a space that's dedicated to doing this. You know, when I think of this is like when I want to lose those 20 or 30 pounds, what do I do? I go to the gym. I go to a place that's dedicated for me to be able to get that done, right? Instead, what I see is I, I see dealerships try to have these conversations while they're in the sales manager's office right. and there's two guys standing outside really? one needs an appraisal the other one needs yeah they're just and they're just <laughs> and they're trying to have this very legitimate conversation about how they're going to start being um uh plan how they're going to start planning things out instead of being reactive and it's like right so it's like i i would say you know yeah we have to take one thing step at a time uh but really set yourself a space if it has to be off-site be off-site i'm a big fan i don't know if you are but i'm a huge fan of taking people off-site love it yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there's a corollary to that though, too. And I think it's so, sort of understanding like when the best time to do these activities are. Mm-hmm. And I remember back in the day when I was in retail and I don't know if you had the, the, the privilege of having a, a trainer come in or whatever, but it always was like on like the last day of July or something like that. Okay. We're going to have you, you know, <laughs> the, the peak of the busyness of the year, pretty much Let, let's yep. do training now, you know? So that's the other thing too, is sometimes it's, it's sort of sabotaged, you know? So a lot of what I try to do with our stores is, you know, let them know like, Hey, like look at your year over year, for instance, like I'll try to understand like where you're going to be based on where you were that exact same time, because then that sort of frees you up to sort of understand what you can expect, mm-hmm. but also kind of gives you an idea of like when you're going to be busy or not. Right. So, you know, in my mind and, and I, and I knew this a long time ago and I still study it today. It, you can see these cycles that happen all the time. And I just think of these situations, like we're getting a new serum in August. It's like, why? <laughs> it's when Why all your would you do sales are going on? Like, your OEM spent six billion dollars this month on advertising or whatever, and like, or maybe not that much, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> selling season. 
you know, I it just was talking when my buddy's out in Alberta, it's snowing there. You know what I mean? Like who's going to buy in a car and there's, you know, a meter of snow on the ground, right. Or three feet of snow on the ground. Like that, you know, your window of opportunities during those, those peak selling times. So like just being, having that intent and being mindful of that is a big mm-hmm. deal. Like I always say, like, if you're going to push the plunger on the detonator, do it in February where it's just, it's dead. I don't care where <laughs> you're at, you know, like, so you pick those right times and, and, because I feel like, especially like those, those one day training courses and stuff like that, you're not paying attention. You know, I, I, I always think about how I was during that time period. I'm like, you know, staring at my phone and yep. watching my chat window pop up. And I was just waiting for customer activity to take place. I wasn't learning. You know what though? I also see like what, you know, the way dealerships use training, I think is always, you know, has, has been in, consistently incorrect. Right. Um, Either they'll admit it or they won't admit it, but they um, expect you as a trainer to mm-hmm. come in and relight that fire in each of their guys' belly. And they seem, they seem to think that happens through training. And, 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 and maybe some portion of training is kind of that motivational element where it's just mm-hmm. like, hey, look, guys, like if, you, if you're able to achieve these activities, look, here are the results that are going to happen. But you know how it is that that, that works for about, three or four days, maybe a week or so. Mm. And then they're just really right back to where those activities are. But if, if we sit down and I think if we spend more time on that personal development, so I, I'm, I keep going back to that personal development portion. And I think if any dealerships are going to spend time, if they're going to spend one place, this is where I'd probably go with it, is if they're going to spend time in one place to really sit down and understand why these people actually show up. You know, is, is it just to collect a paycheck? Okay, but there's probably something deeper in that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, their, their kids are getting older. One of them need braces. The other one's going to be going to college. I don't know, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. But truly understanding that and helping them develop out both a personal and financial, um, you know, map to mm-hmm. get to their goals and objectives. Ultimately, what ends up happening is we get to our goals and objectives. So it's like, you know, as dealerships, we all want to hit our own goals and objectives and we're expecting our people to get us there, but then we don't spend any time understanding what their goals and objectives right. are. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all that and other variables as well. And I think to sort of counter your offsite, it's great, but you got to cram all that stuff in at once. Mm, good point. And, um, you know, I want to go back to one of the things you said in the very beginning of like a lot of people haven't been involved in retail or if they have, it's been sort of in a cursory or cursory or like a tangential way. You know, I always think about, and, and Joe is the same way. And, and the people we have working for us, you know, we're all sort of informed by our past and mm-hmm. you go, man, like how much can you actually retain in those days? You know? So that's yeah. why with, with, I mean, our, our, our training, we've done this for years. We just break into like an hour a week, you know, and that way we can work on those behaviors Again, in a small way, we're not trying to twist all the knobs at once, but try to work on those those things like time management or work on the right process mm-hmm. or when to send the right thing or when to when to hand off to a manager. Um, it takes a minimum of 21 days to build a new habit. I mean, yep. I just read this research and, and actually it's closer to 66 days, depending on the habit, as you're, sounds like you're trying to lose some weight. So, you know, uh, but I, I mean, know. Like, <laughs> it, it doesn't happen overnight. And so you need that constant reinforcement um, you need that accountability and we, we can't have a new metric. We can't have a new process. We can't change things up all the time if we want to make that lasting change. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we, um, you know, we're very selective of the stores we work with. And I think the time we've been doing this affords us the opportunity to, to do that. 
but we have to have those dealerships realize this isn't going to happen overnight. And no matter Good how point. much money you pay me or pay anybody else, and they, they charge a shitload more than we do, or <laughs> even a metric shitload more than we do. Okay. Um, you're not gonna get that immediate change and you might get that one person that might get lit up and might get that fire, but there's no amount of tapes, merchandise, you know, streaming, you know, subliminal messages. They're going to make that lasting change. And so, you know, a lot of what we believe in is behavior modification. That's what we mm -hmm. train um, is we try to get people to, to build better habits and that way it lasts. And so if we do need to make changes, now we have a nice little lattice work to build on top of to where it's okay, well, the foundation's still there. We're just going to change this. We're going to paint this white. We're not going to completely bulldoze things. Uh, we're going to, you know, work with what we know that, that works well for us and, and add to it. And I think that's what where we've seen that lasting results. And, and to your point, I mean, I feel like our dealerships are able to, to, you know, navigate those ebbs and flows that come naturally. Um, but, but they're all informed and they understand everything. I mean, I, I'm, this is long for a lot of people. I'm sure they're like, those guys don't shut up, but I believe like you have to understand all those different dimensions. I was the type of person growing up like, Hey, because I told you to, you know, I, t I told you to do it. You know, I was like, no, but why? But why? But why? But once I understood why, then I was like, okay, great. I can do that. You know, so um, we got to, you know, approach this in a way that's multidimensional and helps people learn. And sometimes it takes repetition. Sometimes it takes seeing a video. Sometimes it takes live role playing. You mm -hmm. know, sometimes, it, you know, so we have to approach all those different things. So, you know, the second thing I would add to, you know, picking one thing would be then let's, let's build out a pathway to success. Let's understand a time frame. Let's figure out a way to measure this so that we know that we're on a positive trajectory and that's how we can build those lasting changes. No, for sure. And, and, deal, and for dealerships to really kind of embrace it, they have to understand that this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I know there's so many other parts of our business that feel like they're sprints. You know, it's a sprint from the beginning to the end of the month. And it's yeah. a sprint from the <laughs> beginning of the unnatural. quarter to the end of the quarter. And it's a yeah. sprint from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And it's just like, we're all, but, but it's not, this is, you know, taking this time, you know, it is a marathon and you have mm -hmm. to be willing to put in the commitment for those future results. And, sometimes these results are not going to be immediate. You're going right. to, you, you'll get a, you'll get a pop, you know, you know, probably right out of the gate, but it's, it, it's, this is, this is something that takes time. It's a marathon. Yeah. And that's, again, that's why we're, we're very conscientious of the metrics and stuff like that. We try to look at those year over year metrics because we want to try to look at things as close mm -hmm. as possible. And so, you know, I've seen a lot of instances where, you know, Hey, uh, you know, XYZ training company starts in January and they get amazing results in March, you know, type of thing. Well, it's because everybody has amazing results in March because, you know, it's people are driving through snow, right? So, yeah. um, you know, those things happen or, you know, they start from nothing and you get like a 300% improvement. That happens a lot. But we're, we're pretty meticulous about that because we want to build something realistic. And the, another thing is I would say kind of, I guess, part three of this would be like, give yourself realistic goals. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is one of the things where the, the OEM, especially now that dealerships make all their money from the OEM reimbursements now, let's be honest. <laughs> And yeah. the NADA did suggest that they're, they're pretty much fully subsidized by the OEM these days. Yep. Um, you know, a lot of the, the, the targets and stuff that are, that are given are, are just, I swear to God, they're just pulled out of your vest pocket and like, okay, this is it. Yep. It's like, we've never I think it's, I think it's like a wheel. I think it's just ever. a wheel. That's what it is. It's like yeah, a exactly. random wheel. Let's just spin the wheel <laughs> yeah. and see what their target's going to be this month. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it, it almost feels that arbitrary because and I remember one of my stores, um, Buick dealership in the Northeast and they're like, this is our goal that Buick gave us. And they're Buick GMC dealership. I mean, have you ever sold that many Buicks ever in any month at any time? No, we never have. I'm like, where did that, they come from? Guys, and no, you know, and so, but that was, that was their goal. And of course they, 
you know, unceremoniously blew it because it was, <laughs> it, was a, it was not an achievable goal. And I, I don't think that that's going to make things easier for anyone. It's not going to help people get motivated. And you see something like that, that's no. not possible. And uh, then it, it, it's a demotivator at that point. And, and that's one of the things where I've been very loud about the metrics and stuff like that, because a lot of these numbers that get thrown about there, there are no standards for how those things are measured, you know? Mm-hmm. So I can take, you know, the same ruler you have and it, you know, I can grab a meter stick and it's exactly one meter where I'm at and where you're at and in Cambodia and in South America, it's going to be the same place as a matter where it's at. There might be some humidity differences that might make sure. a, <laughs> but I mean, uh, but there's that, you know, that meter is everywhere, you know, pints a pound a world around it, it's the same thing. And we don't have that with like closing ratios or, or website conversions. I always love hearing these website conversion numbers. And stuff oh like God, that. don't even like, get me started. You know, right. So, I mean, but it happens to both of us. Yep. And, and so one of the things, you know, we institute is benchmarking. We, in all the technology we work with and all the technical partners that we've worked with over the years in terms of just consulting different tech companies, like give your people some benchmarks. You know, let them yeah, know what what's real ones, not, not 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 ones that are just kind of randomly grabbed out of the air and say, exactly. okay, here, here, here it is, right? But right. I mean, that is the downside with uh, with data. I mean, we and, and this is where I think a lot of dealerships will get concerned when the word data starts getting talked around the dealership. Mm-hmm. I think that 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 trust level or, or not trusting the data comes from this place that you know. I mean, look, let's admit it. We can make data say whatever we want it to say. Mm-hmm. What, whatever I want it to say, I can find some type of benchmark or KPI mm-hmm. that's going to, you know, show my story, whatever story I'm trying to depict, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, 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 it comes, but it comes down to that. If, if we don't have that data, I mean, if we're understanding that people and processes are the key to our success, mm-hmm. right? If we don't have measurable efforts on our people and our processes, then how in the hell are we ever going to get better, right? Yeah. So one time I am empathetic with dealerships. On one hand, I'm empathetic with dealerships because I understand the fear that comes from it because there's a lot of vendors, there's a lot of agencies out there that can, that will, and and do it on a regular basis. Yeah. Some of these are yeah. really big companies. These aren't. We're not talking about vampires. Yes, there, there is. is. There is. You know, but at the same time, we also do. We have to embrace it. Have to embrace yeah. it. Well, it keeps me like it definitely keeps me in the business. You know, because you know, I, I'm just like anybody else. Like you know, I should just go to pharmaceuticals and you know make twice what I make now, right? But <laughs> but then I look and just see how how just broken, jagged things are, and it's it's really not getting any better. You know, since I started doing this it really hasn't gotten that much better. Yeah. And it's, um, it's a shame, you know, that, uh, and there are lead providers out there that'll, they'll sell you leads. There's no intent to purchase. And you still got people out there saying, Hey, all leads are created equal. And you still got to call everybody, you know, <laughs> once a day for 30 days. And, and, and you have all these things out there. And for that one unicorn, it works. You know, there's always an instance with you sure. know, how many dealerships are there across the continent? 20,000, 25,000. I mean, there's something know, like that. Yeah. Something like that, you know? So like, um, you know, in one or two instances, it's right, you know, but for the other, you know, the dealerships, like we're talking about in the middle, like they don't know where to like put their target. They're like, okay, well, this dealership's doing this and their, their sites are converting at 28% because I saw them at my 20 group and and their rep was in there from their blah, blah, blah company. And their leads are closing at 30% and they start throwing all these numbers out there. I'm like, well, how do you know? And when I'm there, I'm like, well, how'd you get there? Well, I don't know. You know, or it's near CRM. Like, well, I know your CRM very well, and it'll give you three different closing ratios. Which report are you using? You know, so um, there's a lot of that stuff that goes on. So I think that's, you know, part of why things don't move is because you don't know what to believe or who yep. to believe. 
and there's nothing, uh, you know, and so like, I don't want this to be like, this is a, a negative episode, but it's the frustrating thing for me. And so, you know, I, I deal with all the time. I think dealers are frustrated as well. I think yeah. there's definitely a lot of people that are listening or watching to this and they're shaking their yeah. heads and they're agreeing with us. You know, um, you know, speaking of 20 groups, you know, I, 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 I'm beginning to see a, a shift in what these 20 groups are. And I've, I, I, I always appreciated you know, what the intent was out of the mm-hmm. gate, but now it's kind of gotten to the point now where I think dealers just need a bit more, right? Uh, yeah. Just knowing that your neighbor down the street um, sells or grosses more um, per service customer than you do doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean it's going to help you create a better process. You know, um, people have to understand that, you know, there's one bucket, which is pe- personal development people, and then there's a bucket that are processes. Mm-hmm. And just because a process is working well at a dealership, does not necessarily mean that same process is going to work well at your dealership because yeah. you, you have that. You may not have that people element, right? Yeah, and there's a, I mean, there's again, there's a lot of other variables involved there, but you know, I I, I see this a lot, and you know, we've had to clean up a lot of messes over the years from other you know quote unquote experts. <laughs> And we've had some people gotta like, love those guys. full blown like Stockholm syndrome over like, well, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. Well, it's like, mm-hmm. no, you don't. Like, where did that even come from? You know, like, um, and so, but I mean, to just to add on to that people in process issue is that 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 really should be the bedrock of your of your dealership. I mean, mm-hmm. you should have that should be like the one um, static thing that never changes, right? Like your control group. And so, um, I feel like you have to have a process that's tuned to your market, tuned to your dealership tune to your people, you know, what's, what's feasible, what's going to get done, what technology is going to be used, yep. like used, not paid for, but used, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, kind of little sub pieces in there, but if you have a good recipe there and they're consistent, I want to go back to like the metric thing here, but like, mm-hmm. as long as you're measuring everything the exact same way and you know, it's consistent, if it's always a, a 6% closing ratio every single month measured the exact same way, well, that's consistent. Now we can start to add some things onto it because you know, there, there, I, I imagine it's sort of like gears in a transmission. You know, you still have the same final gear ratio turning your wheels, but you're changing some of their gears in there to get different things happening there. Um, and I think unless that rear axle ratio stays the same, <laughs> the results are going to be all over the place when you start changing their things. And so um, I think a lot of it is just making sure that that's consistent. You have a consistency. And I think that consistency starts to build that culture. It starts to build that that's expectation. Right. You know, this is, you know, and we were just talking about hockey before I think we get live, but you know, there's, there's a certain culture that happens with certain organizations over time. Like this, you know, we're, they're uh, fast, always fast, or they're, they're very, you know, defensively punishing, or they're just lights out with, you know, snipers all over the ice. Like, but that's sort of the culture of that team, but that, that takes time. And, and they're consistent that to your point, they're consistent yeah. with it. Right. Right. But then I also, they're recruiting that talent at the same time and they're building that talent and they're, there are other organizations. So, I mean, it really sort of ties in all the things we're talking about here is like you, once you really understand what that formula is, then you build on top of it. And that's mm-hmm. when you can start to add those new things and, and, and really building that culture of, of learning and training and, and get people excited. And I'll tell you, man, it happens. That's the coolest thing for me as a trainer is <laughs> you get to like see this. It. Yep. people who are like this for the first, you know, couple of weeks. And then they're coming to you like, Bill, I have these questions for you. This customer just laid this on me, you know, that's when I see that, that change from, you know, shoulders, you know, up to shoulders down, head forward, wanting to learn because they made that commitment and they realized that, okay, somebody's here to help me out. Somebody's here to educate me. Uh, I'm interested in that. I'm excited about it because it makes my results better. And, you know, that takes time to build as well. It, it takes, you know, part of that cultural change and part of that behavior shift. 
is getting that desire to learn and a desire to adapt and change and understanding mm -hmm. this business is going million different directions all the time, depending on the time of year and what incentives are going on. You mentioned that 30 day cycle and things of that nature, but, but once you sort of understand that this is all part of it and you know, that's part of your training and it's part of what you do every day, then it's not scary anymore. Now you want to yep. show up. Now you do want to put in more than 40 hours a week sometimes. You know, well, so that's, that's kind of yeah. going back to what we're talking about with yeah. the marathon, right? I mean, yeah. how you run a marathon, you, you, you find your stride. You mm -hmm. find that place where you're comfortable and continuing to move forward and you consistently hit that space yep. and you maintain that through the entire, entire time. Um, and I think as an industry or definitely as individual dealerships, if we can embrace that, that, that marathon concept yeah. and become consistent in our efforts and our people and our processes, you know, the results are very clear. You get to see it. I get to see it. You know, uh, the cool thing, it's very black and white. It'll actually show up on a PL statement. You yeah. actually be able to see those, you'll, you'll see it. You'll see it mm -hmm. when that consistency kicked in and, and, and the commitment to it over a period of time, you'll see that consistent growth. Bill, thank you so much for taking the time to jam thank with you. me today. Yeah. I definitely think we're going to have to do this again because uh, we, we touched on a couple sub a uh, couple subjects and I would love to deep dive even more with you, but for everybody out there that's uh, listening or watching right now and love to learn more about what you and Joe are up to, what, what is the best way to connect with you? Um, our website, dealernose.com. Uh, our, we blog all the time. We do at least three or four different pieces of, um, a month, you know, minimum, you know, so there's always lots of good fresh content that kind of covers a lot of these newer things. Uh, we got a bunch of funny videos. That's kind of the gateway drug for dealer knows yeah. is going to, you know, so if you go to YouTube and you search dealer knows, you'll see a bunch of our funny videos and a lot of them for the dealers who've never seen them. Uh, it's, it's, it's really based on kind of the things that we know are wrong with dealerships, you know, so it's, um, they're funny, but they're, they're kind of there to point out those things that can be fixed. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can go to those things. I'm, you know, I'm on Twitter, W Playford, you know, you can, you can look me up there, but, uh, you know, I got to tell you, I, I love talking to dealerships all over the country. I, that's one of my I things I'm most proud of is the fact that we just work so many places. It comes down to that formula like we talk about, but, you know, the water boils at, at, at different temperatures, no matter what your altitude is, right? So, yep. you, know, you know, just little things like that. So, you know, I feel like our clients really get that from us is the fact we have been to so many markets. We have talked to so many people over the years and, and just every brand but Ferrari we work with, seriously. So... <laughs> You know, and, but that all goes into our content. So yeah, I definitely encourage people to come check out our blogs, read our stuff. Um, we actually have a, a bunch of different ways to, to contact us. Um, we get a lot of ask the expert uh, type content. So uh, we love those types of things because that, that helps us understand what's going on in the community so that we can mm -hmm. you know, best learn things and help. You know, we, we educate ourselves just as much as we educate dealers, you know. So if there's things we need to research, I always like to get those, uh, those signals from people as well. So thanks for giving us uh, the opportunity and thanks for giving me the opportunity to be here and talk about this stuff. No, Bill, thanks, man. I really appreciate your passion and commitment to this industry. It's so awesome to be able to jam with like-minded people like yourself. Th thank you again for taking the time. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. We'll, we'll do this again. Absolutely. Have a good day. Thanks, you too. We covered a bunch of great topics today. What stood out most to you? Be sure to let us know in the comment section below. And don't forget to like the post and share it to keep the conversation going. You can follow Jason on all social media platforms by following Strategy with Jason. You can find him pretty well everywhere you can share content. I hope we were able to get you thinking. And until the next time, this has been Nathan with Digital Dealership Solutions. Have a great day.